Give us a like and follow on Facebook and Instagram at Daily Dollar Show Podcast. And listen to us wherever you listen to your podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and more. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Daily Dollar Show Podcast. It's your boy, Marlon. And your girl, BK. Martin couldn't be with us this episode because he lives in Shreveport and he's affected by that thing, Hurricane Laura. So wish him well. Hope his kids are all right, the whole nine yards. So today's special guest is my significant other, my wife, a.k.a. Baby Mama, Miss April Victoria DeFillo. Your whole name. Hi, everyone. I'm April. Don't you just love me? Sure. That this is giving answer. me like real third wheel vibes. <laughs> this, is, this is like reminiscent of our past, right? Like it feels like old times. So those who don't right, know, um, times, April I'm and BK wheel. are line sisters. So yeah. Skiwi. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. So we'll jump right into it. Um, as you know, it's been kind of crazy this past past week. Uh, especially for our black people. Um, I was starting with the shooting of Jacob Blake. He was uh, shot in, uh, was it Kenosha, Wisconsin? Um, seven times in the back. Uh, of course, we're outraged. I mean, it's another, another unarmed black man getting shot yet again. It's frustrating to realize that no matter what, we're always going through some shit. So, um, BK, what's your take on everything, like the backlash and everything? Do like, you think that people are really understanding how important it is that Black Lives Matter or it's kind of the same old shit, different day? Uh, can y'all hear me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I, you know, when I first saw it, um, I think I was at work when I first glimpsed at it. I thought it was fake or I thought it was something old. Like, I didn't think it had happened right then and there until I was able to go back and research. And I'm like, bro, not again. Like, not another one. Mm -hmm. And now it's just like, I feel like it's the same shit because I feel like if people really understood it and people really got it, it wouldn't have happened again. Because they have to start with law enforcement. Like, people have to understand that's why we're protesting. That's why people are... uh, saying how they feel, the NBA's, you know, saying what they're saying, so it can stop. But clearly, they're not getting it. And it's frustrating. Like, you shot this man seven times, that close. Mm-hmm. So you mean to tell me you was that close, you couldn't shove him in his car and put his hand behind his back? And it was two mm-hmm. of y'all? Mm-hmm. You shot this man and you shattered his spine. His intestine had to be removed. They took, I think, had to take a piece of his stomach out. And then on top of all of that insult, not only did you do it in front of his children, but now he's supposedly handcuffed to his hospital bed. Like, where the fuck is he going to go? Where is he going to go? How he going to leave the hospital? He can't roll out on his own. Exactly. So... How is he like it's just frustrating at this point? And then to see the police chief that asshole there after the shooting with the with the with the white thug that went to this rally, this protest, this peaceful protest, 
and shot up these people for the police chief to say, oh, well, you know, it was past curfew. The fuck? Like, out of all of that, that's all you have. It was past curfew. No, like, I'm just, I don't know why I'm surprised. I don't even know why. Um, April, what you got? <laughs> I don't know why you're surprised either, BK, because I think at this point, we we know what it is. Like, we know how people feel, and and we know what it is. Nothing has changed since the last shooting. Um, to me, that would have made me think, oh, it's going to be different this time. Nothing has changed. I mean, some companies stood up, um, and so that did make it to where it seemed like people were getting it, but in terms of like the stuff that we're demanding, in terms of training for police officers, in terms of the inherent racism that exists, you can't change that overnight. You couldn't have changed that since the last shooting. For me, it's always the specifics. Like, okay, even if he had a knife, because at this point we don't know, is that right? So supposedly he had a knife on him and he had, um, pri and he had priors too. Okay, so with it, let's yeah. do worst case scenario. Let's say that he did have a knife. I am still not understanding how that warrants seven shots to the back. I, if you have a gun and you're shooting someone and that person has a knife, hypothetically speaking, to me, one shot, you, that person, you're already at the advantage. So I'm just not understanding why it has to be so many gunshots to the back, but for understanding that people just have an inherent fear of Black people. Yeah. And that's my thing, like, if you're scared, though, why be a cop? Yep. That's like me saying, I'm scared to death of guns, but I'm going to go enlist in the army. Like, it doesn't, like, to me, it doesn't make sense. I feel like it's an excuse at this point. Oh, I was scared. Oh, he had his back turned. I was scared. And I feel the same way you feel. Like, if he had a knife in his car and you have a gun, to me, which one is more lethal? Right. And I feel like the gun. And I always want to say, like, when police officers do have to shoot, it's always shooting to kill. It's yeah. never, oh, well, let me shoot him in his leg or let me shoot him in his ass cheek. It's always, oh, like, no. a deadly shot. Always deadly. Every time. And I think, like, at this point, like you said, it doesn't change overnight. But I feel like when it comes to the police department, because of their role for them, the change has to at least start overnight. Like, you have to start implementing things to protect people. Because I've seen videos, old videos, where police, like, gracefully arrest white people that's enraged with them. Gracefully uh, de-escalate a situation with a white person. And I mean, they're the ones, like, going crazy that I would be scared of and I would want to shoot them versus somebody's black with their back turned just like the man in lafayette at the gas station oh apparently he had a knife well he wasn't coming towards you with the knife mm -hmm. he was walking away so he wasn't a threat to you and it was what it looked like 10 cops in that video and you mean to tell me 10 people couldn't stop one black man with a little pocket knife because it wasn't like he had a machete a samurai sword swinging it at everybody he was walking away so like when does when does it stop and yeah the companies you know stepping up that's all cool but like now we like i don't know the next steps like what is the action do we start like 
gathering weapons and going to a white people hangout and just start shooting up the place? Like, is that the next, like, is that the next thing? Like, I really, I really don't know what's next because it's not even safe for people to protest. Man, so I'm reading this book. Um, I think it's called, oh, don't let me lie. Something about black kids sitting in the cafeteria, something like, oh, oh, why do all the black kids sit in the cafeteria? And she raised two points so far that I thought were like very profound. One, it was about Ferguson and it talked about the police department and just having a history of being that kind of department. And from what y'all are saying about the police chief in this new place in Milwaukee, it sounds like they might have the same kind of police department where Mm -hmm. the police are already just, they just don't have a good relationship with black people. And then the other point that she made was that a lot of people only really associate themselves with people of the same race. Like as black people, we only hang out with black people. As white people, we only hang out with white people. And I think that that is part of where the problem is, especially when it comes to the police force, because your perception of black people at that point is just that they're thugs and they're criminals. You don't know black Mm -hmm. people. And if you do, you might know one and you think that that one black person is the difference. Um, Whereas so basically at that point you then I think I think that it's fear and I understand what you're saying about like at this point we got to let that go and like that can't be your excuse but I think that genuinely whether they want to admit it or not when you come in contact with or when they come in contact with a black person they are naturally afraid I think that's why we have the incidences like in Walmart where the guy got shot because he was carrying around the gun that he might have been wanting to purchase from Walmart it wouldn't have happened to a white guy like you said so many situations white people they're able to de-escalate it but when it's a black person they don't and I think that that is genuinely they go into the situation being afraid I think that's why there's so many shots you shoot somebody seven times and you weren't even being threatened, you gotta be afraid. Like, that's gotta be what it is. But then it's like, how do you fix that? Like, how do you, how do you tell somebody that's 30 to retrain the way they think? I think if, 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 if that's genuinely the case, then I feel like you should go with proper protocols and proper screenings before you even be a police. Like, like, I think with like the FBI, you have to go through psychological testing then the police need to do that as well. Psychological testing, figuring out if this person is going to be around a minority, if they're going to be afraid. What about this person is making you afraid? Is it because it's a Black man? Is it because of you and your environment? Like, what is it that's making you scared? And if white people genuinely feel that way, at all PWIs, they need to have a course on why I should not be afraid of Black people. Because at this point, we and you like should have me to, and you, you have to be with a black person for the whole semester. Like you have to have a black yeah, buddy. Right. You, have to, you have, a buddy. have to go to their parties and I don't know, but you've got to, we've got to fix Be And it shouldn't be up to us to say, hey, come in, enroll in this course so you can see why you shouldn't be scared. But if it, it should just be mandatory. Hey, what was that? That scared the shit out of me. Yeah, it it should be, you know, it should it should be mandatory because yeah. at this point, you know, we've been all even if we don't co-mingle with each other, we've been coexisting for years at this point. So we have to get over it. Like I would always tell people growing up, I would feel I wouldn't be scared, but I would be intimidated if I walked into a room with a lot of white people. 
I would feel intimidated because I wasn't used to being around a lot of white people. I would feel like, oh my God, they're looking at me like I'm stupid. I feel like I don't belong. But as mm-hmm. I got older, I had to get over that. You, 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 a human just like me. You bleed like I bleed. You don't have no type of superpowers. You're not more smarter than me. We are the same. And I think if they get that in their mind, like we're human. We don't have superpowers. We're not super thugs. We people just like you. And if they have to take a course on it, then we have to sit their asses down in them PWIs and teach them, look, you're overreacting. Get out that slave mindset. Nobody's here to attack you and beat you up. Grow the fuck up. Right. And nine times out of ten, all of these experiences are something that you heard. Like, that didn't happen to you. Like, you didn't have an encounter with a black person. You just saw on social media or you saw somewhere that these thugs are doing these things you're not even around that like nine times out of ten they're not even around and fuck we should be scared fuck i should be the one scared fuck you had us enslaved so i should be worried about coming around you you might pull out your whip Mm -hmm. you never know what they can do and you would think that the power of social media how you know instantly we can upload a video of, of things happening so you would think of the whole George Floyd situation that cops realized, damn, whatever I'm doing, is going to be videotaped. So in that instance uh-uh. of you shooting this guy seven times, like, bro, you know it's going to be on TV, right? You know it's going to be on social media. Like, people are going to try to find you. So it's like, you would think it would change that mindset. Okay, maybe I shouldn't be as aggressive. Maybe I just tase him, put him in cuffs, and uh-uh. go about that day. Yeah. But no, that's not the case now. It's like, I see you. I'll shoot you seven times in front of your kids. I'm going to kill you. Because there's no Sorry. consequences. Exactly. There's no consequences. Could it took about, what, two days to get the guy's uh, information? The cop that killed him? Well, I killed him, but shot him? I thought it was a little longer than that. I think it was a couple of days, because uh, I know Sean King was on it pretty hard, trying to find out who it was, yeah, but it wouldn't give it up. So, yeah, it's just... I think body cameras should be mandatory. I think that we the government has I the money. I'm tired of hearing that we don't have money. Um, if y'all can pass out these checks, y'all can make body cameras mandatory. I think body cameras should be mandatory. And I think when I was when I worked at Geico, they would do like call screens where they would pick random calls and they would um, listen to them mm. with you in the room. I think that body cameras should be mandatory. And I think that weekly, monthly, however they, they ration it out, they should be randomly pulling stops and going over, this is what you did, this is what went wrong, and not just trying to figure it out when a person is being killed. We need to be handling this on the front end. And I'm right. thinking maybe that's proactive where it's like you can start to hear the language because didn't a couple months ago it came out of like people, cops in their car that were using like racial slurs and stuff. Like you need to hear the language that they're using. You need to see how all these random stops are going. Um, I think that's part of, that could be part of solution. So, so body cams aren't mandatory? I don't think so. I mean, you would think they would be. I don't think so because they were protesting it for JP. Whenever, um, when George Floyd was killed, there was a guy on the West Bank that was killed as well. And there's some, he was on live. So like, there's some See, stories. I thought they cut their cameras off. But I, I thought that like... they said they didn't have funding for, um, for their cameras. But I could be wrong. I, I didn't think that it was mandatory for every single police uh, like... force in the country. I feel like if you do have a body camera on, because I, I think that they cut it off, I'm not sure. You should not be able to cut that body nope. camera off during yeah. your shift. Yep. If you cut that camera off during your shift, you're automatic under investigation because why are you cutting it off? Facts. I agree. And like what you do you said, have to hide? I agree. 
you need to not only make it mandatory if it's not, but you need to do screens. Even if you have to set up mock complaints and God forbid, don't go blazing and shoot nobody in these mock complaints. But that will allow you to see, okay, who's a high risk officer? Who's an officer that could potentially be scared of black people or that could potentially shoot an unarmed person? And like you said, you can tell by these screens. If you're screening your body cameras, it shouldn't just be used when I make a complaint. Oh, all right, let me go pull a body camera footage. No, you go and you review that footage. Okay, this officer did this, this, and this. Let me keep an eye on him because he sounds like a high-risk officer. And if the behavior keeps persistent, put his ass on a desk. Give him desk duty. Yeah, and we're keeping files of this so that when you do go and kill right. somebody, they can pull your file and they can say, listen, we checked his camera 1,700 times. This is an upstanding officer. Or they could say the opposite. We've, we've had to talk. We've had to have some conversations. This is a questionable officer. I get, like, protecting the officers because they're, like, whoever. But we've got to hold them accountable, too, at the same time. Wrong yeah. is wrong, period. Wrong is wrong, period. Especially the police chiefs, think- too. Especially those, because like how this whole situation with this cop who shot the guy seven times, I mean, he didn't seem like the officer was wrong in what he did. He just said, oh, right. you know. And so. when you have a person in leadership like that, your other people are going to follow. They yeah. feel like they can if do my boss they don't care, why do I? Like, exactly. he condoning it, so I know I'm not going to get in trouble, or I know I'm only going to get desk duty. He got my back. So they're going to keep doing these things until laws are changed to where they are held accountable just like everyday citizens are held accountable because lo and behold if it was Marlon that shot somebody seven times in the back Marlon would be sitting somewhere in jail for attempted murder and not for defending himself or his family so they have to be held accountable because they're no different than humans once they take their uniform off they are rare people just like us even with it on they're still regular people that that was just chosen to patrol. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And this whole incident called a protest out there in uh, Wisconsin. And a 17-year-old kid took upon himself to, who doesn't live there, who's from uh, Indianapolis or Indiana, whatever, took upon himself to, with AR-15, to protect the police officers, to protect the area. And he took upon himself to kill two people. Now, of course, I've seen the video of him, you know, walking toward the police with a gun on hand to the police that like he's walking towards them and they pass him by. Mm-hmm. When I saw that shit, I got very upset. You mean to tell me a guy is walking towards you with a gun? You're not going to approach him or question him? Nothing? You can just... He's surrendering. You know? I'm like, yeah, he's surrendering. Like, my hands are up. I'm coming to you. Like, book me, arrest me, whatever the case may be. He proceeds to go to, I think, to a park unit. And he goes towards the passenger side door to the officer or whatever. And they say, get out of the way. So, basically, they've been told, hey, this man shot two people. But they don't care. They're going to the actual black people who were protesting, protesting for you know, an innocent, unarmed black man being shot in the back seven times. So it's just frustrating that somebody who's under age with a gun killing people and not being held accountable that day. 
And allegedly his mother drove him there. Yes. <clears throat> and I think that's what I was more shocked at. Like him. And I feel like I was shocked because like I've I've heard stories about people going to protests, shooting up protests, but I had never seen it. Like I had never watched it with my own two eyes. So when I watched the video, I think I watched it like five or six times because I remember I kept recording yeah, it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait, I'm like, hold up. There's no way. Because I was taught when the police come and your hands are up, that means you are surrendering. No matter what. That's what I was taught. Maybe I'm wrong. And to see what five, seven police cars pass him up. Nobody stopped. And you can hear the people that's outside yelling. Mm-hmm. He shot somebody. He shot somebody. He shot somebody. But they don't care. And now one officer said, hey, sir, can I talk to you for a minute? I hear somebody got shot. You have an AR-15. You know, let me put you in the custody so I figure out what's going on. Because I don't see nobody else out here with a gun. And I hear people got shot. Like, I didn't think it took rocket science to be a police officer. But they just let him. And after he talked to the people in the car, he walked away. Went on about his business. Yeah. And I'm just like, are you fucking serious? If that and was a black, that was a black guy, he'd been shot right then and there. I if think. that was a black man, all of those police officers would have got out of their cars and emptied their clips on him. Every last cop, every last one. So and then I haven't seen the video. I haven't seen the video. Um, I haven't been on social media. I got off social media after the George Floyd thing, so I met a unique advantage so i don't know if people are saying this but this is what i thought about this morning when marlon was explaining to me what happened i don't know if y'all remember um after alton sterling and philando castile there was a protest in dallas and at that protest some cops were killed and i remember Mm -hmm. watching that watching that protest there was a black guy he had on camel and he had a he had a large gun, but he had it on his back, so he had like the you know the crossbody strap. I can't remember his first name. And so, um, whenever the cops were killed, they went after that guy with a vengeance. Um, and so that made me look it up today, and I realized that even the police department had posted this guy's photo to their Instagram, not not knowing whether he was a shooter or not. Posted his picture to their Instagram for over twenty four hours, saying that he was a suspect. They needed to find him, etc black man with a gun at a protest so that just goes to show how different they treat people like if you try to say that it's not happening that it's all in our heads this man had nothing to do with it showed up to the protest he had the right to carry a gun and his face was plastered as if he was the person that killed these cops fast forward to 2020 this white kid shows up with a gun people are telling the cops this guy like this guy killed some people and they just let them walk, don't even question it. It just shows how different they treat us than they treat them. And it's at the point where it's so blatant and it's so undeniable. Yeah. Like, and, and, and he played perfectly into the media narrative. Like, the media was calling him a vigilante. And I was like, well, I know I used to watch, like, a lot of um, Marvel stuff on Netflix. So I kind of think I know what a vigilante is by now. That man's a vigilante. But I don't think he was a vigilante. Like, I'm really trying to correlate the two into how you can say 
he was a vigilante by shooting up a peaceful protest. The only thing those people were guilty of was being outside after curfew. That's they shouldn't have been there, though, according to the, uh, the police chief. They shouldn't have been out there. Right. They shouldn't have been there. It wasn't that he asked when they got shot. That's the way I took it. Yeah. You so, basically, you forgive him for what he did. Basically. Right. Because he helped you out. Then he played so perfectly into the narrative. They have, oh, the 17-year-old was pictured cleaning graffiti off the walls in Winston-Nosha, whatever the fuck this place is. And I'm just like, <laughs> Are you serious? So I know a lot of people down here that pick up trash, that clean up the neighborhood, that do right, that volunteer. You don't see them on the news being praised for what they're doing, but y'all sitting here saying, oh yeah, he was helping clean graffiti and protecting the police, this vigilante. Are you fucking serious? And that's how I feel like the media also is against us. Like the way we're portrayed in the media, doesn't help us either. It plays a big part in the way people feel about yeah. us. Right. For me, so I also, again, since I didn't see the video, I didn't know that this person was 17 years old. When I found that out, I was taken aback just because I like to think we are the generation that changes. And if not our generation, the generation right below us. Like, we're all coming into this world with a little bit of a different perspective. So if you would have been like a middle-aged white man, I would have gotten it, but a kid, and I don't want to harp on him being a kid because like a kid. try him as an adult. Like he made this he's decision, try him as an adult. But mm. it's a child, man. And at this point, we're brainwashing, or not we, these militia groups that he was a part of on Facebook are brainwashing these kids whose brains aren't fully developed to go out there and just kill people. Because for what it's worth, a lot of white people hate black people, but they're not going out and just shooting us put like broad daylight or nighttime, but you know, broad daylight. Um, but these kids, the Dylan Ruth, the Kyle, whatever his name is, who cares to be out here actually killing people? This is crazy. <laughs> and his mom, his mom needs to be, like you said, he's a kid. So he couldn't have bought that gun on his own. His mama drove him there. Then she drove him back. I want her to get sentenced as well. Not just yeah. as an accessory of a crime, but someone who plotted with him. Yeah. Because you're just as guilty. And like you said, children are taught these things. People aren't born to be racist. People aren't born to say, you know, I'm better than this person because of my skin color. No, they're taught these things. So clearly, she taught her child to be a thug. Because that's what they is. Because if it was a Black person... At 17, it would have been the young man. It would have been child. The young man. Oh, if it was a black so, person? Oh, 100%. We would have never tossed around the word child. I mean, it would have just been a thug. Another black thug. Yeah. And now that you say that, that just kind of resonates with me the fact that she's a parent. She's driving her child to go kill people. Like, mm -hmm. doesn't that come across your mind as an adult? Like, look. Son, you are they upset about what's going on. Don't start shooting people. Like, do you dude, think she really thought her kid was going out there to shoot people? I mean, he had a gun. I mean, yeah. What's that? I mean, AR what? What? Why are you AR letting 15. your child take an AR-15 yeah. to a peaceful protest, and you yeah, don't even I mean, live in that state? And you know he's a, a blue line supporter, so you already know that he maybe start shooting. Like, it's but a they good said chance. he was on edge. 
he was on edge before. So you said, here, son, take your AR-15 yeah. to protect yourself. Like, you knew what she was bringing him out there for. And maybe she was the mastermind behind it and feel like, well, he's underage. He can't be charged as an adult. I don't know. He is being but adult. she has to have common sense. And Unless she she's just not. as retarded as him. So, yeah, she like, should be tried, too. Know, you know, like, you know what you're giving a child a gun for. Just like, this is completely off topic, but a situation, a case I was working on uh, for my internship in Chicago, a teen, black teen, got into it with a girl, another girl age. Her uncle gave her a weapon to use. When you giving children weapons and guns, no matter what race, you know what they're using it for. An AR-15, that's excessive. Any gun is excessive, but an AR-15... Yes, the damage could have been a lot worse. Like, yeah. that right. type of gun, the damage could have been a lot worse. Um, from the article that I read of what happened, again, I feel like you operated out of fear. You were running. You felt like you were threatened, because I'm sure that that's the angle that they're going to come from. And once you're at a disadvantage, you just start firing off shots. That's the kind of person that doesn't need a gun. That's that's a kid like you were operating out of fear you went out there and you were scared which is another thing like you standing behind these guns which is the same thing that cops do you stand behind these guns because it makes you feel big like but for that you're scared like that's what it comes down to you're right. just why would you be out there that you're scared because i think that right why would i think you the perception there? is that you're not afraid like you you are in these groups, these hate groups that are spewing all this information, you feel like you have a duty to be out there protecting these stores, protecting your land, protecting America. And you get out there and you have your gun and your big bad and the cops are thanking me and I'm doing a good thing. Like, I think that that's the thought process when you're out there. But when you're faced with real life shit and black people are in your face yelling, now all of a sudden you feel like you have to use it. Um, Charlamagne say all the time on his podcast, um, People told him to put the gun down because if you have a gun, you're going to use it. If you're in a situation you don't have a gun, you're forced to fight somebody. You're forced to use your words. But when you have a gun, you're just going to shoot somebody. Like, yep. you feel you feel played or you feel whatever, you're just going to start firing off shots. And I think that's, that's ultimately what happened. But here's my thing. If it was fear, my thing is the people were running behind you because you had just shot somebody. Yep. And so they didn't kick you out of a crowd and say, Hey, let's pick on that white kid with a gun. Mm -hmm. No, you had just shot somebody, and the crowd, you know, heads off to them for trying to be brave to arrest him. Was like, no, we're not going to let you come out here to this peaceful protest and just start firing at people. Mm -hmm. Then, when they did catch you, you start shooting again. So if your gun went no one off the first time, and you would have just been out there with your with your AR fifteen, then you know maybe. It wouldn't have been what it was. But he pulled the trigger first and then tried to flee. And when mm -hmm. he ran, they they tried to they tried to stop him from getting away until the cops come because they thought the police was going to arrest him. He started shooting at him again. Mm -hmm. And my thing is, but like Wallace said, you coming from a different state. I could maybe understand if you were in, you were in your own state and you feel like you're a part of this group and you have to protect the people in blue. But to me, you went out there with those intentions. Yeah. Like, you said, you know what? Let's take a drive out there. We know they're going to be protesting. We got to go protect the police. It's 15, 50 of them in one of you. Like, how? 
unless you Batman himself, how do you think that you're about to protect all these people with your little AR-15? Mm-hmm. So devil's advocate, do y'all feel the same way about people that come to protest on the Black Lives Matter side? Because that was a lot of the complaints about George Floyd. A lot of people were flying in from different states, and those were the people allegedly that were the agitators in those protests. Do y'all feel like those people should stay home too? No. What? No. Because I feel like it's strength in numbers. Like, I feel like the Black Lives Matter movement went out there to say, hey, let's have strength in numbers. Let's show them, like, we can come together for something positive and fight for one another peacefully. And not armed either. They're coming to and not armed. In solidarity and, and, and to protest, and, you know, like, walk. Like, but that's the right. people that they're saying we're doing the looting and we're doing all the, like, pushing the lines of the police, uh, like, those people, like, the agitators that were actually starting uh, stuff. But I do feel like once they started showing videos of the actual people who were looting, that narrative died out quick. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if y'all follow this girl named Sheikha. She's a rapper. And she's, like, super heavy um, with protesting. And at the time, she would narrate from the time she get there to the time she leave and record everything. And she was saying... You know, when they arrived, she was like, we were the only people when we first arrived on the scene for a protest. She said, LAPD had already had cars lined up. She said, no police officers were in their cars. She said, LAPD was bust in. So people who were vandalizing cars were doing it because they felt like LAPD had placed those cars there for other off-duty cops to come vandalize and say, hey, we got to get these protests um, from our city. They're vandalizing stuff. I think when we're going on break. Oh, I think when you show up to a protest with the wrong intentions, that's when things get messy in terms of what's his name? Kyle. He went there with the wrong intentions. Yeah, Kyle Rittenhouse. When a black when the Black Lives Matters people come, their intentions are always to show strength in numbers. Now, I'm at the point where I feel like if you are going out there to protest, go with a gun. So go I mean, yeah, that's unfortunately where we're at this point because, I mean, all we're doing is trying to show how upset we are what's going on. Like, how is that a problem? You know? Right. And I feel like, you know, to be safe, bring your weapons out there. Unfortunately, because we've shown we've protested peacefully. No weapons, you know, no violence. But it's always the others that come to the protests and shoot things up. Yep. Like the protest, I think it was somewhere in Texas with the guy in the military. He was there, white uh, ex-Marine, I believe. And his wife was black. She was also in the military. But she was a quadruple amputee. And they shot up the protests. And this man was trying to will his wife away. And they killed him. A man who served in the military, who been to war, come back home, protest for people, for what's right, for the country he fought for, and he's killed by somebody who is racist, who 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 can't see people come together for a peaceful protest for the better of other people. So at yep. this point, if you're protesting, you have to bring your weapon. Bring your weapon, keep your kids at home, keep the elderly at home, 
and protect yourselves at this point. Yeah, that's how we are. And uh, I definitely want to say a uh, special shout out to um, it was Anthony uh, Hubbard. He was the white guy that attempted to uh, subdue mm-hmm. uh, Kyle. And he was uh, shot and shot something, I believe, and he died. I mean, hard him for, you know, taking a step forward to realize that somebody was evil and he had bad intentions. So definitely appreciate mm-hmm. that and you know, prayers to his family. That was, and what kind of frustrates me too is um, I've been seeing people still like saying you shouldn't resist arrest or, yeah. you know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's not even about that anymore. It's like, I don't know, I'm just so tired of defending the same argument over and over and over again. Like, are we in 2020 or in 1965? Like, what year are we in that we're still right. like fighting the police officers? It's just, this is beyond frustrating to say the least. But with that being said, this has led to uh, sports all over the world, basketball, baseball, soccer, all boycotting, which I think was very, very powerful. I didn't see that one coming. I thought maybe, you know, they would just say a tribute or something before the game and then that'd be that. Mm-hmm. But they took it upon themselves to actually boycott <laughs> the playoffs or games or the case may be. So what was your takeaway on that? Okay. Okay, I can hear you now. What was the last thing you said? I didn't hear the last. Yeah, thing. what was your uh, takeaway for the NBA, soccer, baseball for a boycotting? Um, I thought it was beautiful. Uh, I I I thought for everybody to do it, that meant something, especially baseball, because baseball, they like they be in their own world. And they try to stay clear of like political things. So they rarely, you know, act on things. But when they did that, I was just like, okay, people people getting tired. And I saw it coming. After I watched game three with LeBron and I watched his interview after, I don't think I had ever seen him like that. Um he was just very he he came off as very angry, very aggravated, and I was just like, mm, "Some I don't, some not right." Mm-hmm. So I knew something was coming, just by his attitude because he's been very vocal about things, and I love it. Um, this was one of the reasons why I felt like in the beginning that I felt like we could have went without sports a little longer, because when I look at it all around taking these players from their families, predominantly black players, because the majority of the league is black. Yeah. Taking their players from their families, from their children, from their wives, from their loved ones. For weeks. And putting them in this, for weeks. And putting them in this bubble. To me, it came off as very circus-like. Um, back in the day, oh, we want the monkeys to dance. You want to come out. When I tell you to come out, you're going to play for us. You're going to entertain us. That's the way I took it. In the middle of a pandemic, yeah, we're going to take you away from your loved ones and you're going to perform what we tell you to perform. And I think some of them feel that way because Mm -hmm. majority, every owner in the league is white. They all play for these white men. 
And even though they're the highest paid athletes, those men that sit, those old ass men that sit in a box office every night are the ones getting the most paid. No matter how much you give them. You're going to give your circus monkey what they feel like they deserve to keep them in line, to keep them in check. But you're going to make the most money. And I feel like at a time like this, it affects them because you're putting them, you're secluding them, right? You giving them a lot of time to think. You giving them a lot of time. Oh, you want to give me rules? Like I can't leave. I can't see my family in person. I eat when you say eat. It, I just feel like we could have just went without it for a little while. There's a lot going on. Yeah. Mentally, it takes a toll on everybody. Even if it's not you that's being affected or if it's not you that know these men personally, but because they look like Marlon, they're a black man like Marlon, their father's like Marlon, Marlon is still going to feel some type of way. Yeah. And that's human. That's, that's human. We're still going to be affected. And it's just a lot of BS going on in the world right now. And as Black people, we need time to mentally heal. So I don't think right now is the time. I'm surprised they're coming back as soon, like Friday and Saturday. I really think it was a lot of foot on their necks to force them to play. But you have to give people, you got to give people time and like mental time. Because LeBron just looked mentally drained. Yeah. And, and not for basketball. Yeah, and it seemed like to me, before when it all started, of course I was happy that basketball came back. But once they announced that they're boycotting the games, I was very proud. I'm like, sit down as long as you need to make change mm-hmm. happen. Because, yeah, so far me wants them to continue playing so, basketball, but I realize it's a bigger mission. It's a much bigger perspective of what's going on right now. Like, it's bigger than sports, right? It's big, it's, it's just, right. Our culture is in, in danger. So, yeah, I did say an interview with LeBron, and he was being very firm. It was like, this is ridiculous. Like, she's got to change. She's got to stop. Mm-hmm. And when they said that the Lakers and Clippers voted that they won't, they didn't want to continue the season, I was like, good. But then the rest mm-hmm. of the players were like, nah, we want to keep playing. I was like, fuck. I'm like, where is the union? Because majority of the league right. is black people, so you would think that, like, all right, you right, know we're going to stand together. We're not going to play until something happens because if we don't play, it affects the owner's pocketbooks. The owners mm-hmm. are friends with these, you know, legislators, lawmakers, all that. Mm-hmm. They can help put some laws in, in place to help our people, our culture. But, yeah, like you, I'm very surprised that they're playing as soon as they, that they are. I think we're playing with Friday, today is Thursday, probably Friday or Saturday, something like that. So I was kind of surprised by that, but I did appreciate, like, I think I saw a report about um, the Saints players had practiced with the Jacob Blake on their helmets, which I thought was pretty cool. But of course, I think you saw some comments. comments? People weren't happy about that. I didn't see it, but what they said. You know, I never, like, I don't know why. I feel like I always punish myself when I go read those comments because I get very frustrated like I'm a person that wears my heart on my sleeve and when I read those comments I'm just like damn like why the hate like I just want somebody to explain to me what is it really 
what is it that black people has, have ever done in their existence to be hated so badly? Like, I really want to know, besides the color of my skin, what have black people truly done? Facts. Uh, show me the things that we have done for people to be so angry and upset. Like, those comments, not even just from this incident, but when Drew Brees said what he had to say and when he apologized for it, like, the comments were so disgusting. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, damn, like, how can you feel that way? Like, a flag? You want to kill a black person because of a flag? <laughs> it's not that serious. Like, exactly. Like, so when the NBA did that, when they protested, when they um, not showed up for the game, I was really excited about it. I feel like LeBron is just fed up. I feel like he definitely was the one who said, I want to play the rest of the season. Um, and I feel like a lot of other players, you, you saw what Draymond Green said? So I know he um, he commented under a post. It was pretty long, but I didn't read it. But I know he felt some type of way about it. What did he say exactly? Yeah, I skimmed through it. And he was just like, you know, we have a job to do. And I'm like, my nigga, you are not in the playoffs. <laughs> you were not in the bubble. You go your ass to practice and prepare for next season. Don't talk about what's going on right now because it don't affect you. Your ass can still go to work. Go to work in that practice gym. <laughs> Mind your business. Yeah, and exactly. I feel like it's always, it's always our people that just always got to go against the grain when they don't have shit to do with them. This would have been a perfect time for him to keep his big ass mouth shut. But nope, he got to open his big chops and say the wrong thing. Yeah, we get it. This show must go on. We do have job. But if it's going to make you realize that wrong is wrong, then we're going to sit it out. Period. Yeah. And um, I had gotten into it with the father uh, was a friend of mine. And he's pretty much kind of telling me, you know, it's stupid that this whole thing happened as far as protesting. You should just shut up and play. It's like, no matter how you try to get people benefit of, benefit of the doubt, people ain't going to change. And the only yeah. way you can make change is by protesting. That's the only way to get people's attention. Like, exactly. Like, there is no other option. Like, what you want us to do? Oh, we like, can just spend money on, you know, foundations, stuff like that. No, you got to protest and make change mm-hmm. happen. And Martin, the friend who told you that is just as stupid. And yeah, you feel that way. I told him that. He was, he's like, part of the problem. Yeah, you're part of the problem because how long have black people went without saying something? Years. How long have we went without saying Years. Years. That goes back to slavery. Decades. It goes back to slavery. You know, sitting there thinking, all right, we're not going against, we're not going to go against Massa. Everything's going to turn around and he's going to realize he's doing us wrong. And then in slavery. Nope. Not all. We gonna we, we gonna sit back and let white people realize they should treat us like equal so we can walk through the front door of establishments and not in the back alley. That didn't mm-hmm. nope, that didn't work. Mm-hmm. They didn't just sit around and wait for them. So we can't just sit around and wait because nothing's gonna get done. We can go to work with our daily lives. 
because that's not going to change anything. They have to see, look, them black people out there protesting, and not just black people, people of all races that I applaud. Thank you for standing up for us. Them people out there protesting for a whole week until X, Y, and Z happen. So X, Y, and Z going to happen. So then people could get from our city and go their asses home. That's how you get shit done because people are going to get tired of it. That's going to make them look and say, you know what? They might have a point. Let me do the right thing. So yeah. protesting, you know, I, don't stop protesting. Don't stop voting because I'm still seeing people feel like, well, we ain't going to get no better with Biden. I don't care if Biden put a blind dog on that ballot. As much as I don't like Miss Kamala Harris, I am, still voting. <laughs> I am still voting for Biden and his running mate. Yeah. Um, and his um his his vice his VP. That's not gonna stop me. Someone said I saw on Facebook, someone said to the extent like we have to stop putting so much on basketball players or on entertainers and just let them do their job. And here's how I feel about that comment. Yes, we have to hold people in politics. We have to hold the, them up to a standard. But when I look at basketball players, football players, entertainers, and celebrities, those are the people that get the youth attention. Mm -hmm. Sad to say it. You know, I don't hear little girls prior to Kamala Harris running for VP. I didn't hear little girls saying, oh, I want to be like Kamala Harris when I grow up. You know, like you hear children say, oh, I like, um, what's a, a celebrity that's popping right now? I like Mag Thee Stallion. I want to be like Mag Thee <laughs> I want to be Cardi B. You know, you, you hear children say those things. You don't necessarily hear, I've never heard a child say, oh, I want to be Donald Trump. But I've heard children all the time say, I want to be like LeBron James. Mm -hmm. And I think with situations this important, I feel like I love when they speak up. Like, I love when Cardi B talk about going out voting. I love when she make her post on politics because I know there's young children watching and she's influencing them to vote. Now, should these celebrities and athletes be... Um, uh, uh, people that these kids look up to? No, not necessarily. But that's the way it is. They look up to these people. So when they speak out and say these things, I applaud them. I love when they use their platform. I love when the players wear on the back of their jerseys Black Lives Matter and all these other messages. Because even for those racists watching basketball, you have to see that shit. Yep. Constantly running up the court so for me when i saw that post it don't bother me when athletes step up and do these things because children are watching the youth is watching and you're reaching them i never heard a child say they won't be cop colin powell or kind of some rights yeah but they want to be a lot of lebron james a lot of uh damian lillards so use your platform in a positive way keep doing it yeah, and I think we also owe your boy uh, Kyrie Irving an apology because he was the one 
very against the players playing. And look where we are. Same issue. So, Kyrie, brother, I apologize to you. <laughs> you, you was right. We, we rushed this whole situation with basketball. It should wait a little longer till you know, maybe a law was set in place, something like that. But with what happened with the you know, basketball, soccer, baseball, do you foresee any laws being set or no in the near future? Law, like police brutality? Yeah, something, something, you know, something has to change. So you would think something would be, yeah. you know, enforced. Do you see anything happening in the near future? Yes, absolutely. I feel like um, maybe not next year, maybe not the year before, because, you know, when it, when it comes to making laws, it is a process, mm-hmm. a long process. But I do believe, and I'm saying this, I'm, I'm, I'm really putting my hopes to Biden and I feel like they have to come back and correct some of these wrongs that they created a long time ago and fix some of these wrongs that Trump created. So I do believe in my heart that they will have laws, but we have to make sure that those laws are written to protect us. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully uh, people can realize how, how frustrated we are. I mean, what the officer did to shoot Jacob Blake in the back was inhumane. It was evil, just as your boy George Floyd was killed, same sort of way. Or even when, um, with today, I got a post, uh, you saw a 2BK about a 13-year-old kid being beat up by a JP oh, yeah, yeah, officer. Yeah, it was like, Bro, like a thirteen-year-old kid, really? And now he's suffering from headaches. He can't see. He has stomach aches. Like a thirteen-year-old kid deserves a beating from a cop? Come on, An man. Adult. Like that's also inhumane. Like how would you even call a police officer? Like how is that okay to you? So people like that need to be held accountable. So hopefully that officer is. You know, fired, arrested, and booked. Because that is ridiculous, to say the least. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of over it. But um, any uh, closing remarks, BK, before we get out of here? Um, if you're protesting, be safe, protect yourselves. Um from races and also from coronavirus is still out there. Just be safe at this point, please. Yeah, yeah. I want to thank the wife for coming on. She had to uh, leave because uh, Grayson was crying, so she had to attend to that because it's her night, not my night, so she had to attend to that. So I do thank her for coming on. Hopefully she come back on for future episodes. Uh, make sure y'all follow us on Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. Leave some comments and reviews. We truly appreciate it. And uh, that's another episode. Peace. Peace. And that's another episode. Give us a like and follow on Facebook and Instagram at Daily Dollar Show Podcast. And listen to us wherever you listen to your podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and more.